Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and I'm really excited about this upcoming series, mainly because I'm introducing you to a project that I've been working on for a number of years, and it's really exciting to be able to talk much more about it on here. If you listen to the preview episode, you'll know a little bit about what the topic of the next few shows will be. But on this episode, we're going to introduce you to the person that I've been working with, which is Dr. Jamie Weiner. He had a fantastic idea for a research project. We got put in touch and he asked me if I wanted to join. I said yes, it was a no-brainer really. So I will introduce you to Jamie, who also gives you some detail on the kind of early days of the project how it came about, what it was that we did. And then towards the end of the episode, we talk about the four phases of what we term as the quest for legitimacy, which is the name of the book that Jamie has written. The best place to find out more about this project and the book itself and to be able to pre-order the book is on the Quest for Legitimacy website. And that website address is questforlegitimacy.com. You can sign up to a newsletter. It is a Quest for Legitimacy newsletter, so it's not the same as the one if you signed up for the podcast newsletter. This is a a separate newsletter dedicated to this topic. I do recommend everybody go over and sign up to get updates on the research, to get insights into what was discovered beyond what we're going to be covering in the show's and also to order a copy of the book. It is a fantastic book. I know I might be slightly biased on this, but it really is an exceptional book. It's been written through stories rather than an academic book, so it's very accessible, very relatable, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll really enjoy it. Questforlegitimacy.com for all information on that. Right, I'll pass over to the discussion with Jamie. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And I look forward to bringing you this series on this very exciting topic. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of the Family Business Podcast. I'm particularly excited because for the first time I get to introduce you all to a brilliant colleague who I have been working with for a number of years on a research project We're going to get into the detail of the research project over the course of this series of the show. Um, But it is my absolute pleasure, firstly, to introduce you to Dr. Jamie Weiner. Jamie, welcome to the show. 
So good to be here. And obviously, we've been working together for a little while. So I know um, a little bit about you and, and your history. Um, but for those in the audience who um, haven't had the uh, pleasure of, of working with you, can you give us an introduction to who you are, what you do, how you came to be doing it? I know you've had a, a variety and, and depth of experience in, in the world you work in. It would be great for our audience to understand a little bit about that. So thank you, Russ. Um, we You probably know a lot about my story, but let me share for the audience. You mentioned the research project that we've been working on. And the way I look at it, without my knowing it, that research project started, you know, when I was growing up. Because when I was growing up, I was the um, son of a rabbi um, who was very prominent in the community, who helped the community accomplish a lot of great things. And I kept, constantly got, kept getting asked the question, so what is it like being a rabbi's kid? And at the time, I kept just wanting to be a normal kid. I didn't, you know, I didn't particularly want to be a rabbi's kid. It was not a big deal. But it profoundly affected my life. You know, it, 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 it affected the search for what I wanted to do. At some point, I really began to think about, did I want to become a rabbi myself? And having grown up in a bubble where everybody was aware of who I was and what I was doing, it occurred to me that there were things that I liked about what being a rabbi would be, but I needed to find a different path. One of my first awarenesses is that I always really like listening to people's stories. Uh And I seem to feel that I had an unusual knack for being able to understand the stories, to look a little bit under the surface. And so um, somewhere around the age of 30, after having tried a bunch of other things, I went back to school um, to get my doctorate in psychology. Ironically, my father passed away that year. There were 2,000 people at the funeral. It was a reminder of how prominent my father was. Um, I built a career of doing a variety of things. So I had a private pair practice. I worked at Cook County Jail. Um, I worked with victims. And Somewhere at one point, I realized that um, the jail was really impacting me. And I decided I needed to find a more gentrified world to work in. My wife, Carolyn, came from a a business-owning family. And her mom and dad passed 35 days away from each other. And we became aware that... um, Families in business have great opportunities, but there's also a lot of stuff that goes on under the surface. And we founded a a business called Inheriting Wisdom that originally started out to help Carolyn and me make sure that our family got along and worked well together. As I continue to do that work, 
I began to realize that those who grow up in the families we were working with have a unique set of challenges, which led to the research project, Russ, that you and I have been working on for at least a day or two. I think it's closer <laughs> to five years. Yeah. And, um, and it's probably been the most exciting experience of my life. And I echo that and we'll get into the sort of detail of, of the findings of the um, project. In the preview episode for this series, I have um, highlighted that uh, obviously we interviewed rising gen family members from across the globe. I explained the story of how we uh, met and got, got introduced by our mutual friend, um, Judy Green. But I'm, I'm interested, I'm, I'm not actually asked um, this question um, directly before or in, in a time we've worked together, but what was it that inspired you to start the research now? Was there something that happened where you thought, actually, this is a, I'm at a point in my life where I want to, to go into that research side of things? And I think it's worth noting when we started the project, we didn't have the academic research team that, that we kind of um, picked up along along the way. So it was it was a personal project, very personal project at that time. What we've heard about the fact that you, you grew up in this environment, so you understand the experience that people have had and, and you were seeing it in the families, but was there a particular moment that inspired the desire to, to go out and speak to Rising Gen to hear their stories? Absolutely. Um, it really was inspired by um, a conversation with somebody and we were talking about different ways to, to, to build the business and hearing wisdom that we were working on. And he began to talk about his experience working with um, substantial families and about all of the concerns that um, parents have, but even more so about the struggle that he experienced of people who grew up in those families. And it was a realization. It was like kind of an aha moment because I realized that with all the that's said about the rising gen, next gen, even prominence, most of it is focused on what's the role going to be in a business? How are they going to handle money? It's, it's all these other topics. And that I was not aware of anybody who had asked them what growing up was like, which, you know, led to the question, what's it like to grow up in the land of giants? Which, you know, as well as I do, nobody's, you know, came back and said, what are you talking about? immediately began to talk about the giants in their lives. You grew up in that environment and you remember kids asking you, what's it like to be a rabbi's kid? And did that feel isolating for you? In which case did the research kind of think, actually there's other people out there that are experiencing this and that's kind of a, a motivation behind it. Were you hoping to find that as a commonality with, with regards to um, the people that we spoke to during the research project, what, what was it you were looking to kind of discover through the, the process that we went through? You know, it's funny that you talk about it that way, because when we started, 
my first awareness was not the connection between the prominence of my father and the people that we were interviewing. It was, it was really a curiosity um, to hear the, the stories. Um, I think there, even by the question, what is it like to growing up in the land of giants, there was some anticipation that I would discover challenges that nobody else talks about. And I think I was after trying to see if there was a consistent pattern to those challenges. Um, you mentioned the word isolation. And I think almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think almost everyone we talked about talked about their struggle is something that they didn't share publicly. That um, in many cases, at some point, they did ask ask for some help um, because they were struggling with uh, to be able to define themselves. I think my career, or already by that point, had been about with different populations figuring out um, what causes some people to rise above as opposed to the, the large number of people who get stuck. And um, I think that was true in my private uh -huh. practice. It certainly was true at the jail. It's clearly true with people who had suffered um, severe losses. And so there's kind of a universal theme that comes through the, the research that was colored by the fact that these were, were, were rising gen members coming from prominent families. Just on the terminology that we're using with the research, um, we'll talk about the um, book as well. You've written a book. Um, there'll be links to uh, people to head over to Amazon or Barnes and Noble in, in the show notes for, for them to, to purchase a, a copy of the book. But but in terms of the terminology that we're using in the conversation today, that there's the term prominence that we've used a few times, and the term rising generation. Now, a, a lot of people may be more familiar with next generation as a term for kind of labeling or um, categorizing uh, certain people within um, certainly within family enterprise and family business in the, the worlds we work in but but I think it would be worth spending a little bit of time just outlining and defining what what we mean by the term prominence particularly in in nature to um, the experience of growing up in the land of giants C can you help the audience to um, kind of understand what that term prominence means in, in this context. It's a fantastic subject to explore. I think as we did the research, everybody immediately rushes to think about big names and they think about particularly people that have wealth and they think about people that have big businesses they think about, you know, all of this prominence having some connection with the passage, the passing down of some kind of inheritance. Uh -huh. I think what we discovered is that if you put all that stuff over to the side for a minute, 
that prominence takes on a, a broader meaning because, and I joke, and I just wrote a blog about um, prominence, and I talk about um, the moment of notoriety when my, my, my family would watch the news when I worked at Cook County Jail and we would see uh, a criminal appear. And I know the, knew the next day I would uh, meet him at Cook County Jail or two days later. And did he have uh-huh. prominence? But uh-huh. clearly, if you grow up in a um, clergy family, if you grow up in a small community and um, in the center of the community is a store that everybody goes to, that's an element of prominence because in some ways um, you stand above and you're looked up to. And, um, and I think that's a much better, a much broader category of people than most people imagine because it goes, goes far beyond the 1% or the 5% who, who hold wealth. What, what's relevant here as well is although you and I both work in the family wealth, family business, family enterprise space, is that well, we spoke to people who had not come from a family business background. As you say, we, we spoke to people whose parents had a prominent role in um, their community where there was perhaps more of a focus on achievement rather than what, what you would see as the wealth of, of the family. And that, that was really interesting for me, hearing the stories of people, that the giants that were in people's lives weren't just necessarily the people themselves, but also the achievements that those people attained. Some it was very physical, very visible legacies that had been left and the impact that growing up, you know, seeing that on a daily basis has on on people. And so I really like the term prominence as opposed to, say, wealth, where, it again, it makes it more about the the money side and more about the how to pass inheritance, how to become a good inheritor, all that kind of stuff. Whereas what we were talking about and what we were speaking to those that um, we were fortunate enough to speak to is what was your experience like? What was it like for you growing up around this significance, this prominence? And although people came from different backgrounds and, and had different levels of prominence in their life, the stories that we heard, I remember more often than not, we would we'd do the, the interviews via Zoom and we'd sort of say thank you to, to the person we've been speaking to and we they would hang up and leave and then there'd be the, you and I left in the, the virtual room uh, and we'd just kind of sit there and sort of stare at each other for a little bit, kind of taking it all in, letting it sink in uh, and the similarities that came across irrespective of, of a lot of the backgrounds of these people was striking for me and we'll get into the details of what the research found but was there a highlight for you in terms of the the experience that we shared together of, of interviewing um, everybody and, and we got to interview them twice that those moments for me really stood out and nothing really happened because we were just looking at each other across the screen <laughs> You know, Russ, I always felt the moment you hit the button to record that we were entering into the, a private world that was 
um, unique and different and that we never knew exactly what we were going to get in terms of what would be shared with us. I was always surprised with each interview that each one of the people we talked to, they wanted to tell their stories. They, they were hungry to tell their stories. And that ranged from, you know, we interviewed somebody from a very small community where her parent was a prominent figure in the community. And she was, she was surprised that people were curious about what her SAT score was. I mean, it was just... And then we talked to somebody like Henry Kaiser, who has given us permission to tell the story, who came from one of the, you know, with a grandson of one of the wealthiest families in the world. And each time on the surface, it appeared that the stories were different, but we kept finding that there was some challenge, some struggle that felt bigger and more universal than um, what the individual stories appeared to be. And again, the, the, the range of ages of the people that we spoke to varied as well. The, 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 it, it wasn't kind of pigeonholed into this, you have to be under 35 or under 40 or under 41 or whatever the, the bracket is for kind of next gen, which is partly the reason I think why we use the term rising gen, but I think there's much more of a detailed and meaningful definition for rising generation that's very, very relevant to the people that will be listening to um, this conversation, but also to those that will then go on to to read and enjoy the book. So uh, I, I think if we can, or if you can, um, define what we meant by rising gen or rising generation, <laughs> Um, it, it would be really useful. So the term that used to be used commonly was next generation. And it was really used in families who either have businesses or wealth and are concerned that um, the generation come up, coming up is not going to be able to um, maintain the goose that laid the golden egg. And so they're very focused on, are they prepared? It was really um, Jay Hughes, who um, has written a book about family wealth, who coined the term rising gen, because he was really paying attention to the struggle of a generation. I think we pushed the envelope a little bit further. Henry Kaiser was 75 years old when we talked to him. And he was looking back in reflection. Obviously, at 75, you see the stories different than when you're 35 and you're living them. But it was very valuable because we had several examples of that to hear the stories in retrospect. You know, he was about to get married and he shared a moment with us where he had his last meeting with his grandfather in the corporate headquarters of Kaiser Industries and was hoping that at that moment his grandfather would give him some blessings, some, some place you know, that would, in the business. 
and it was uh, we learned a lot just by knowing that he left never having that moment that conversation uh, and that was more typical than unusual i think we both got excited by those kinds of experiences yeah and i think um again some of some of the moments that stood out was that we were able to through the interviews that we'd done obviously we we were listening intently in terms of the people's stories that we spoke with and we were able to spot similarities and commonalities through people's experiences and i think just having the ability to share the experiences you mentioned that, that it there, there was something um you know very special about being able to share that with people because they hadn't had the ability or the outlet to share their stories before and we were able to spot these patterns and commonalities. And then we were fortunate enough to be joined on our our journey um, by a fantastic research team who were then able to kind of translate what we'd captured in words into to a form of data to, to be able to verify that there were these patterns and that there were elements of people's stories irrespective of gender, age, um, where they grew up in the world, that the commonality of growing up around prominence meant that the experience was um, a similar one. Uh, we're going to go into much more detail around the, the research in future episodes, but for, for the benefit of the audience who are um, hanging on the edge of their seats trying to uh, um, find out what the research mm. found, can, can we give them an overview of what it was that the research found, what were the commonalities? What, what, I mean, the book is called The Quest for Legitimacy, but perhaps giving a, uh, some background on why that's the title as well, I think would be really interesting. So I, I think for both of us, the, the, the struggle and the desire to get beyond our biases and maybe the biases we th think were there by other people was constantly there because truly wanted to hear. And I think we both intuitively knew the more the interviews went on that we were observing patterns, that there was something consistent, even though the stories appeared to vary. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of uh, um, having a research team, having somebody who had never met any of these people read the transcripts and have a systematic way to look at them, open up the possibility for them to discover that there's a path and that there are phases and they're not linear phases to discover that everybody we interviewed had, which, which we'll talk about more too later, breaking moments, moments when something changed in their lives, where they felt betwixt and between, and that those were difficult, but they are, were also potential opportunities to, to begin to sort out their lives uh -huh. and to figure out who they truly were. So between the breaking moments 
the idea that there were four steps, four phases in the quest, and the idea that by going through the quest, it was truly possible to take ownership and responsibility for your life. I think that was the beauty of the research. Yeah. You know, we truly discovered that one of the phases was a period of exploration. And I think that was the beauty of being part of a research practitioner team and being able to discover um, the depth that's there mm. in the interviews that we did. Yeah, I agree. And I know in our next episode, we are going to, to delve into the detail around the four phases of the quest. C could you just give the audience an overview of what those four phases are? Obviously, without the detail around what each um, is going to entail, we're going we're to dive into that in much more detail in our next discussion. Um, but to, to give the overview um, of that to, to kind of tie up this uh, episode. I'd love to. So the first phase is a period of awareness. Um, the one that I always love is um, somebody who grew up in a uh, family that was part of the diamond industry, and she learned how to count by counting diamonds. And it took, you know, took a little while when she went to school and realized that not everybody counts diamonds. Uh -huh. But that was a moment of awareness yeah. for her. As we grow up a little bit further, we have all the experiences that have been part of the world we've been born into, that we begin to go out into the world and we begin to experience a tug of war between what we've learned from our family and what we're learning from the outside world. And at first we may bring things back and they may think, you know, parents may think it's very cute, but a little bit later it may not be so cute. Uh -huh. um, it's followed by a period of exploration where we are further and our family is much more internalized. And it's really the period of us sorting out who we are from all the worlds that we've been exposed to. And it leads to the fourth phase, which is when we begin to feel that it's sorted out and that we can take some control and have some own ownership and define who we want to be, what impact we want to have. And it truly allows us to have a much more powerful sense, uh, 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 born out of struggle, to um, who we are and um, what we want to become. Fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to our next conversation where we will delve a little bit deeper into each of those uh, four phases. But um, I think that's a good point to bring our uh, introductory conversation to, to the research to a close. Um, thank you very much for joining us um, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again on the next episode. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes, so please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. 
Until next time, take care.